Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club, that's getinthefight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. The pain and suffering that comes to us has a purpose in our lives. It's trying to teach us something. We should look for its lesson. I read that quote. I can't remember exactly who said it, but I thought that was really appropriate for jumping into this conversation today. It really reflects a lot of what I think we're trying to attempt today as Matt and I just share and have a conversation. But we're going to talk about some heavy stuff in this podcast today. Talk about suffering, talk about pain, and really as we go through it, what we're looking for, what are those lessons that God is trying to speak? What are those things that we're supposed to learn, you know, through these hard things? Today's interview is with a friend of mine named Matt Wan. Matt's an amazing guy with a story that is full of heartache and pain and suffering, but also hope <laughs> and also encouragement and also faith. And so for those of you that are listening, I'm, I'm, confident that in our conversations you will see that god can use suffering and pain in your life to honor him and to keep your faith in him and so man i'm super grateful that you would share this journey and come on here and share these conversations with us today thanks for being here yeah thanks nate really appreciate the opportunity my wife meg and i always say that we you know we'll never turn down an opportunity to to talk about Marley and to share our story. So appreciate you. Yeah, man. Thank you. I'm struck by this. So whenever we have conversations like these with people and you're just like, Hey, tell me your hardest things. <laughs> tell me the, tell me the heartache and pain that you have. Like it, it's not lost on me that this isn't just a story. That's interesting that this is your story and that this is your life and that this is very real and that it is deep and painful but in knowing matt and knowing this conversation that he's had with his family i'm, I'm always encouraged that as we get into the painful side of it that there's light through it sure as deep as that is and i appreciate that what you and megan have wanted to do like you said has never turned down an opportunity to point people to jesus through it and um I'm encouraged by that with you guys. And so I, I know that the story will do that today. We'll, we'll certainly seek to honor the Lord with this conversation. But before we jump into Marley's story, and that's really where we'll spend a lot of our time today, but maybe just Matt, take us to the beginning of your story. Tell us a little bit about you. And okay. uh, you know, I know where, I know where you're from and kind of a little <laughs> bit of your story growing up, but really for our audience and for those sure. listening, a little bit about, you know, where are you from? What was life like for you growing up? Okay. Yeah, I'm from a little town called Olivet, Michigan, kind of Southern Michigan there, rural town, 
what is the population out of it? Probably 2000 maybe. And that's with a, yeah. that's with a small college there. And so good upbringing, as you mentioned, pain and suffering, I would say most of my life, well, really all of my life up until a few years ago, pain and suffering are probably very foreign to me. Solid upbringing. I, you know, I look back at my childhood with, with great nostalgia and, you know, a lot of fond memories, two parent households, they've still married. I don't know how many years now, uh, probably 40 years, uh, one older brother. Yeah. I just grew up in the, in the country outside of Olivet, a lot of time outdoors and a lot of video games too, as a kid and, <laughs> and TV yeah. kind of a, kind of indoor and outdoor kid. Yeah. Good friends growing up all, all through Olivet schools. Really enjoyed school growing up. Did pretty, did pretty well. Yeah. I, I can't say I really faced much, much problems during my, my upbringing. Then I went to small town America, right? Like yeah. ideal small town America life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And blessed with, with friends that are, are still, you know, childhood friends that are still really close friends to this day. In fact, just was in a wedding on Saturday for one of my good buddies from, from high school. Um, and you know, we got together, we just call them the guys obviously. And, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, a little bit of still you get together and there's just this kind of rush of, of excitement and you know the time together so a bit of it is probably immaturity and uh falling back into old you know old inside jokes and and just rehashing the same stories over and over but we really i'm really thankful to you know live near a lot of my friends from from high school and we get together quite often so grew up in terms of like a faith faith life you know, was, my parents were are Christians. I grew up going to church quite a bit, quite regularly. We kind of bounced bounced around to different churches when I was a kid. Still, don't know exactly why all the details on that, but pretty it was instilled in me pretty early. You know, the, the solid foundation of of the truth of the gospel. I can I can really actually vividly remember. I must have been like six or seven probably at that time we were attending a church in Albion. I think it was a, it's a Baptist church in Albion. And my uncle, my uncle Larry, who's a, who's a believer attended the church as well. And I, I remember him kind of just t talking with me in a, in a room there at the church and kind of laying out the gospel and um, praying with me. And, and, you know, I, I prayed to, to receive Christ and, kind of that, that initial, like expressing the faith in Christ and inviting him into my life. And so I can remember that. And then at some point a little while later, we were attending Mount Hope Church in, in Lansing. And I remember the services at the, there near the end, you know, it's a massive church, big congregation. And near the end of every service, they would always invite folks up to pray to receive Christ. And I, I can remember distinctly also like when we'd approach the end of those services, I'd start getting really nervous. Like I feel like I need to be up there, 
but I'm like, <laughs> I'm nervous to, to leave my seat and go in front of all these people. And so, but I feel this pull. And then I remember one Sunday morning, I don't know, I must've been like maybe 11 or 12 at that time. That pull just finally, I just finally submitted to it, you know, and just, I think I turned to my dad and I was like, I got to go up there. And so nice. I, I just went up to, I went up to the front in front of all these people and, you know, we prayed, you know, asking, asking God for forgiveness and asking Christ to come into our hearts. And, and I, I was happy, I remember, and excited. And, but I was at that age, I was still like really afraid of being left by my parents. I, I always had this weird thing about being, being like left alone or afraid my, my parents would never come home and that sort of thing. So like, after we said this prayer, all these people like left and they followed somebody to go get a Bible somewhere. And I just stayed right there in the very front of Mount Hope church in front of, you know, thousands of people and just wait until it was all over to go back to, to my folks. So, yeah. And then at that point, I think it was really, okay. I feel secure now in Christ. Like I, 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 I do believe the gospel. I believe I have eternal life. And then from that age, you know, I didn't really actively spend any time in the word or uh, spend any time seeking God, I would say, you know, I'm a, a kid, a, an adolescent, and just, you know, kind of went with the flow into, into school and activities. And, uh, and so it wasn't, wasn't really like an, a daily part of my life, I would say at that age, went to college from 2004 to 2008. That was Mainly, I would say like a dark time in my life. I mean, certainly good memories during that time, but very lonely. I didn't make as many friends in college, had a couple of good buddies. And I think there was this kind of impending doom for me of like graduating from college because I never, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life or a career. And I don't, I don't recall anybody ever really sitting down with me and talking, you know, talking me through that and kind of helping me figure that out. I just kind of always had a, Oh, I'm going to go to Michigan and I'm going to major in business. And I'm going to, you know, I always wanted to move to like New York city and just do something. It was kind of like this out there, Oh, marketing, whatever, like no idea what any of that means. So, no idea. No. Yeah. so college, you know, I went to U of M and very competitive, a lot of people, a lot smarter than me. So I didn't, you know, early on, I, it was clear I was not going to make it into Michigan's business school so I kind of just just floated my way through college, ended up with a degree in sociology, just kind of a, you know, liberal arts degree that I don't really even know what means. <laughs> Does that, is that like what you're, did it take you into what you're doing today or no? Yeah, it's, I would say it's related. I mean, cause I'm in social work now and certainly that degree has helped me to get, get the jobs that I've had. So then, you know, near the end of college, there was this fear of like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to graduate and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And you got all these, all my peers who are out doing internships and they just seem to have it, you know, locked down. They know what they're doing and I have no idea. So and then I graduated in 2008 and that was a really rough time Yeah, for the economy and there's a recession and all that. So out of college, I moved back home with my folks 
and my first, I got a job at Star Commonwealth in like 2000, late 2008. That didn't last long. I got laid off because of, you know, because of cuts just through the, the economy. And that was at that age, you know, I'm 22. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I'm an adult, but like, I'm still pretty young, I think mentally and emotionally haven't had a lot of experiences in life not not a lot of setbacks mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of crushing to me i remember crying after that like you know that was like a you know i'm like i'm 22 and i've already been laid off and i have you okay. know living back in your parents basement yeah and i felt dream, this, right? yeah and i felt <laughs> this pressure of oh i've got a degree from university of michigan you know i should be super successful and all that and i'm not so there's a there's a low point there for sure uh, 2008 into 2009 <clears throat> unemployed living at home and then it was around in the middle of you know, like summer of 2009 i was hanging out a lot with a with a buddy named nate nathaniel byrons and whose who stepfather is a pastor steve byrons and uh, that's when all the gospel kind of resurfaced in my life and I distinctly remember just hanging out around the church that summer and being around older men, you know, mm-hmm. Steve, your dad, Jeff Whitson, mm-hmm. Coach Peters, and listening to them speak and seeing the way they carried themselves. And there was there was just this, a, a confidence, a, a joy, st- a stability, you know, a sturdiness about them. Yeah. And that coupled with... Uh, I started getting in the word some more, you know, and it just started to appeal to me and seeing these guys. I'm like, like these guys have a purpose. They have, they have a plan, you know, and that was something I had lacked mainly throughout college. And, and so it was very appealing to me. And so I just kind of just committed like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to read the word. And I started listening to a lot of sermons and going to church and being around other believers. And it just kind of took off from there. I would say it was a <clears throat> a time where God was very gracious to give me a real a hunger and an appetite to study the word and memorize it and store it up in my heart and so that was that was kind of a launching point for uh, getting back to being a being a Christian really yeah. so that would be not not only that even but just not even knowing it at the time what you're you know, how your life would change and what you're about to go yeah, through. Yeah, for you sure. Know, Megan, your wife has been through some tragic things. Like little did you know mm-hmm. what kind of stability you would need and purpose in the coming years, right? For sure. I would, yeah, had no idea. I mean, I think in those early days, you know, two, so 2009, 10, 11. And that's when I met what my wife and started dating was early 2011. I kind of always had this. And I was listening to a lot of John Piper at that time. And, you know, obviously more in reformed theology and all that. And so I think the topic of suffering, especially with John Piper, is pretty prevalent and pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew, like, I know that I know suffering's coming. But still, it had never hit home to me. And it's kind of like, oh, I can feel like I'm. Oh, I can, I can face it, you know, no matter what. And I'm going to stay faithful to Christ through whatever, but I had never been tested yeah. at any point 
up and you know at that point so then my wife and I got married in 2013 and then we she'd got a job in St. Joseph Michigan and I'd been working at the church up until then and you know she had a career going and all that so after we got married and moved to St. Joe we were there for a year and that was another really rough well I say rough no real no rough yeah, it, compared to what I'm going through now or what we're going through now, nothing. Right. But um, right. I worked at Whirlpool Corporation at that, that time, and I was working in their national phone. What's the word I'm looking for? Their call center, you know. So I'm getting calls, taking calls all day from like angry customers and all that. And that rocked me to the core, too, because now I'm dealing with angry, upset people all the time. I have no, up until then, I really have no ability to de-escalate or like know how to deal with difficult and angry people and this actually really helped me in my my career now but so that was a tough time just i hated my job you know i wanted to quit several times stuck with it for a year and long story short we we were missed family and friends you know we weren't that far like an hour and a half away from from home but Megan got a transfer to Lansing. And so we moved back to Marshall, bought a house in 2014. And so that's where we, and we're still in that house. So we've kind of settled back here. Megan's from Marshall originally. And really that was a blessing moving back because we got to spend a lot of time with, with our family and with Megan's family, her parents. And that was 2014 because little did we know in 2016, her mom would, suddenly pass away at the age of 54 that was april of 2016 you know that was obviously a shock and a very difficult period megan found i mean we didn't really know she had any health issues at all and it was was basically a a spontaneous coronary artery uh, dissection basically just a you know a heart attack that just bam one saturday morning and Megan was supposed to go shopping with her and had gone over to pick her up and, and found her mom. Yeah. there on the, the floor and in, in their house. So, um, one of, one of the first major blows to come. Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. And so obviously just processing that and, and trying to help Megan through that. And then three months later, after she passed and we had been trying to have a child through this time, you know, leading up to that and wasn't, wasn't getting pregnant. And then three months after Megan's mom passed, found out we were, Megan was pregnant for our first child. And so I was super pumped, you know, excited. I think it was a difficult time for Megan. Like she just lost her mom. And now here's this, fear of, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a mom and my mom's not here. And just a lot of confusion over, over that. Why, why does this have to be? And, you know, anger and, and all those emotions. So, and uh, yeah, so we got pregnant though. And 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm taking you like step. Do you want me to keep That's going? <laughs> no, great, man. Yeah, you're actually like I, I've got all these like progression of questions, and you're just you're just taking them without me. Even oh, excellent! excellent. You're, you're, you're like right on course here. Like yeah. where? Yes, yeah, so you've got you've got how many kids now? Now we've got two children. Yep, two children. Okay, yeah. tell me a little bit about. I mean, we'll get into Marley, but tell us about Marley quickly and and uh, all your family. Okay, so Megan, and then Marley's our oldest daughter. She's six years old, and Sayla is three years old. Yeah. Okay. Mark, Marley and Sayla, six and three. Yep. You guys have already been kind of rocked with just the way, like, early marriage for a lot of people, they just think it's going to be like this blissful thing. And it's some of the hardest years for a lot of people, right? Because it's just new. You move away. Even you know, your story is very common with a lot of people. It's like, we're only an hour and a half away. We're close. And yet you realize, yeah, we don't know anything about life yep. jobs. You know, you're not making a lot of money typically in those early years of marriage. And yep. all of a sudden you deal with some tragic blow from her walking in and finding her mom. And that just, it makes me think it's a little bit of a caveat to the story, but just, you know, we're talking to our young adult children now about being married in the future. And just saying like, you have no idea the things that you will face, like oh. marry carefully, marry carefully because yeah. trusting your heart to be with somebody who might have to walk through some things like that. And again, you just have no clue, you know, you had no clue and God's really like re-sparking, you know, faith and dependence on him. Just thinking, oh good, this is just about me being a better Christian. And he's like, I'm preparing you for a storm, you know, yeah. you just anticipate. Yeah, I, it must be human nature. I, I mean, for some of us to just have a certainly an idealistic idea of marriage and family, and I mean, I think you again, like when I was younger, you think, oh yeah, there might be some hard times, you know, but yeah. overall, it's going to be great, you know. And uh, yeah, you have no idea what's coming. So, hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us, and it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. And the fact that you're listening to Piper through a lot of that, who you write, like he just, he really tends to deal a lot with just the suffering mm -hmm. of life and how to manage and handle that. You know, again, just like, God's grace in your life to bring you along at the pace that you needed to prepare you. And yet I'm, I'm sure you didn't feel prepared at all for what was to come. And, you know, maybe that just is a good, you know, lead into Marley a little bit too. tell us, tell us about, you know, you've done a great job of kind of like setting the stage of just kind of like your progression along the way, yeah. God's grace to you there, but also not having really experienced a lot of tough times other than just, you know, initial jobs that are no fun. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, you and your wife go through a devastating blow of losing a loved one unexpectedly, finding her like that. I, you know, I've never talked to Megan, of course, about that, but I can't even imagine just the heartache that comes from that, right? Now you're dealing with how do I best take care of my wife? Mm -hmm. You know, and now you're having a baby, like just all these emotions, right? And journey. And then Marley comes along. So take us back into Marley's story a little bit. She comes along. Tell us a little bit about that when your first child is born and the excitement of that. Oh, man. You find out that something's wrong here. Yeah. I mean, Marley's all through that first pregnancy, I felt super connected to Marley, you know, 
in in the womb, you know, and then her birth. Yeah, it was just some of the best times of my life for sure, you know. And then watching her be born, I was right there with the doctor and helped to help to deliver and just felt super close and connected to her from the get go. And then the first year of, you know, first year, she was born March of 2017. First couple of years of her life were great. I mean, early on, we, you know, about a year old, maybe we started to recognize, Hey, she might have some delays here. Not, not quite walking, you know, and, you know, her language and, and communication skills, not, you might be behind. So we, we got involved with the, through the ISD here, the early on program and they'd come over and help, you know, kind of assess Marley and where she's at. And about a year and a half old, I think we started doing like some more tests of, oh, maybe she has a, a hearing problem or a vision problem. And you start going through all these, these tests and everything and everything comes back. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. Me as a dad, like I was never really worried about it because this is just my daughter. I love her. She's amazing. We have great times together. Uh, yeah, she might be a little behind, a little delayed or whatever. Like it'll be fine. Even if she's, even if she's always behind, you know, like it'll be fine. And I, I can almost distinctly remember in like early 2019 telling somebody like, as long as Marley's with us, I'm fine. Like mm-hmm. whether she's special needs or has a disability or whatever, you know? And so then it was by, by middle of 2019 or early 2019, I think that the testing progressed because she was not, she, you know, she was not, she could walk a little bit. She could never really say too many words. She, she had some eye issues, some vision pr- issues eventually and and uh, we were she was in glasses that sort of thing and then late 2019 we we had done some genetic testing and then finally she had a brain mri in late 2019 and i remember talking to the neurologist at that time before we had the results and uh I was like, do you think she has like, does she have like a brain tumor or something like that? And, and the neurologist was like, no, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. And so again, I'm like, you know, oh, she's great. You know, in the clear. Yeah. But obviously a neurologist knows a lot more than I do about, you know, certain things that can go on with the brain. And so then December of 2000, December 17th, 2019, I came home from work one day and and again i'm i'm really not that concerned like everything's gonna be fine and anyway megan had gotten a call from marley's neurologist saying that the the brain mri had showed like white matter buildup on her brain it's also called leuka dystrophy and i think she told us to not don't google it and all that we got to do more testing of course i think we looked it up and yeah like no, don't ever Google. Don't ever yeah. Google anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that next month was just well, that day that was just a just a massive blow. Like, because then we looked up leukodystrophy, which is basically the the buildup of white matter on the brain, which essentially, and again, I'm still not an expert to this day. Like, this white matter builds up, and it just 
it, it takes over the brain and like, obviously the brain is integral to everything that you do in your life. And so if things are building up on it and, and kind of destroying certain parts of the brain, you know, that's, that's not going to be a good outcome. So I think we, you know, that, that was a big blow that day, like just a shock and just crying. And we had pastor Steve over and yeah. So the next month was just like, I could never stop thinking about it all day. You know, you go to bed at night. I would just, I remember just having the word leukodystrophy. Leuka, it would just be running through my mind as I went to bed at night. Cause you're constantly, and at that point, okay, now we got to do more genetic testing to kind of narrow down what this might be. Um, and that took about a month, I think that whole process. So it was pretty a hellish month there, you know, just worrying all the time about what the, what the diagnosis is going to be. And then uh, January 28th, 2020 was when we got the call for the, the, the actual diagnosis, which was GM1 gangliosidosis type two. So, so it's a rare rare neurodegenerative disorder, progressive, no cure. You know, we look it up online. It's life expectancy five to 10 years old. You know, Marley's about to, at that time, turn three in just a couple of months. And yeah, I mean, honestly, December 17th, when we were first called about the MRI was more I think that month prepared us for the worst news. And so, you know, we get that diagnosis and yeah, I think at that point I was just kind of maybe even numb to it all, just kind of in shock. Like, you know, how is this my life? You know, how is this real? And at that time, Marley was really still like not much had changed about her, her, her temperament, her abilities, you know, she could still walk a little bit at that point. And move around and get around. And, and so, and then a couple months later was the COVID pandemic. And that was actually, we look back at that now in retrospect and like, that was a, that was like a blessed time for us. That was an amazing time because up until then I was, and I work for the state of Michigan. So I'm in child welfare. I'm a CPS investigator. And so I'd have to go into the office every day, but then March, everything shuts down. And we're working from home and work is really slow at that point. Cause there's no schools aren't in session, like nothing's happening. Yeah. And so we're headed into spring and we just got to spend, a, you know, loads of time together. And it was like a really good time. And Marley, we just, you know, we clung to Marley during that time. Like we would hate to send her to her nap, you know, like we never wanted to be away from her. Mm-hmm. And she was, and she was just our happy kid, you know, she's got this terrible diagnosis, but you know, she's, she's happy and, and uh, from the outward appearance, healthy. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say in those initial few months, like there was also a, I felt really near to God because I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about eternity and heaven and, you know, all the, like they're telling me my daughter's going to die at a young age. And so the hope that I had and still have of, of spending eternity with her and, and being grateful, like at that, like, I'm grateful that like, I believe Marley is, 
has eternal life. You know, I believe that God has her in her hands and, you know, cognitively she's not able to understand the gospel or believe, you know? So it's like, I'm certain, you know, God has her and, and she will, she will be in his presence, you know, for all eternity. So I'm usually at my best spiritually when I'm thinking about eternity. Um, when I'm thinking about the future in heaven. So initially things good, like spiritually, <laughs> as shocking as that may sound, like you're given a, your kid's yeah. given this diagnosis. Like, I, I think I was good spiritually during that time because it was like an urgency of, you know, this is the hope we have given this news. And then as time goes on a little bit and well, things have, start to get worse with Marley's health and, and her overall well-being. <clears throat> 2020, June 2020, she again I had told you she was able to walk, right? June 2020, she just it just kind of just stopped. Like you'd set her down on her feet, whereas in the past she could start walking. Now she's just not she doesn't want to. She'll just stand. She'll just stand there. So her balance is starting to go. Her her core strength is starting to go. So then she stopped walking like June of 2020 like that. Then she, so she could still crawl a little bit, you know, after that. And after a while she can't crawl anymore. <clears throat> just little, you know, just overall her, her, her fine motor skills. She used to be able to grab a book and flip the pages, hold it by herself. Can't do that anymore. She's got, there's like a lot of tightness that comes tone. Her, her body's very stiff and tone. And like she, so her, her fine motor skills are gone and it just keeps going like that, man. Like for a while, yeah, there, where does it go from here? Like, well, for Marley. well, like I said, it's just slowly and surely stripping away her abilities. And so in essence, you're, Whereas other parents, you're watching your child grow and progress and develop. It's been the exact reverse for us. So it's very difficult for me to go back and watch like videos or look at pictures of Marley from the past couple years, because as I get closer and closer to the present, I just, I see the losing, you know, the loss of her skills and abilities. I was just thinking last night, like most nights we put Marley in her bed, <clears throat> like last year, and she'd go crazy, like she'd she loved being in her bed. She'd roll around and then bring herself to her knees and kind of sit up on her knees and she'd bounce, bounce, bounce in her bed. And then it was like last September. She just slowly just she stopped rolling over and getting up on her knees and bouncing. She doesn't do it anymore. She can't roll over and on her own and bring herself up to a, a seated position. Relying more on on equipment, you know, she has has we call it our cruiser. It's like her gate trainer that we can put her in and which is great. You know, she can go outside and kind of slowly kind of push herself along. And she's got, it's a stroller, not, you know, it's basically like a wheelchair that we have for her and then other big bulky equipment for her to sit in while we feed her and, and all this stuff. So, you know, loss of abilities. And then the seizures started in 2021, I'd say spring 2021. And they've gotten, initially they're really quick and, and 
you'd be normally fine or sleep after them and they've gotten progressively like harder and longer and more painful you know she'll have these seizures where her face just goes beet red and her arms just go straight out and she might stop breathing for a little bit and so we've just been the past couple years just been dealing with neurology and and all the different doctors orthopedic and palliative care and messing with her her medic medication you know trying to figure out the right dosage and the right type and all that kind of stuff because seizures that you know sometimes now she'll have seizures where she'll have them and then she'll just start crying 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 and then uh early 2022 that's when days started getting really tough where she would cry for hours on end like it was like March of 2022. She'd just, she'd just start crying for like literally four, six, eight, ten hours. And we took, we've taken her to the ER so many times early on with that, trying to like, cause she can't tell us what's wrong. And so we're constantly guessing like, what is it? Does she have an ear infection, a UTI, a stomach ache? You know, you just run through the, a migraine headache and she can't tell us. And so we take her to the ER. And we'd have to explain the whole story again about what Marley's diagnosis is. And, you know, these people have no idea what that is. And they run all these tests and they always come back fine. Give her some, give her some strong pain meds and then finally she'd calm down. And so we're still dealing with that these days. Just last week, a couple weeks ago, she had six straight days of 8 to 10 to 12 hours of crying. And so it's during those times where my faith is really tested. My patience is really tested, like where that anger really kind of bubbles up. Because off and on through this process, I've had these seasons or phases of anger toward God, you know, and, and just questioning. And and I think the, I think the main struggle has been questioning God's like the idea of God's justice, right? So we know God is just and he's merciful and compassionate and he's gracious and all these things that we Christians talk about when we talk about the God of the Bible and sometimes on a day-to-day basis, you know, when I'm watching my child cry in agony for hours on end and there's no stopping it. And you try all these interventions and you have all these people praying and we've got these doctors working on it. It's not doing anything. It's like, we have nothing else, God, but you to come through right now and help this innocent little child to feel better. And I, and I believe that like Marley is innocent and I know we're all, you know, we're all inherently sinful and and born with, with sin innately. But again, it's like Marley's never done anything wrong in her life. She's never done anything wrong in her life. How could she have? And and you're not helping this child. Like this doesn't seem like justice yeah. to me. Doesn't seem yeah. fair. Doesn't seem right. So certainly there's been times where I'm angry at God and I just tune him out those days. Like, I don't want to read your Bible. I don't want to talk to you. Right. I don't want people to other people to talk to me about you. Especially people that 
have, I mean, they have, they have wisdom. I know other people have wisdom and, and knowledge, but if you're not walking through something similar to me and, and you don't know what it's like to watch your child scream in agony for that long and to be, have a, you know, be given a diagnosis like this, like, I don't really need you to preach at me, you know, Yeah. Yeah. about how good, how about how good God is and how gracious God is. Now I always, by God's grace, land back at that and believe and have faith that he is those things. But there are days when my experience is God's not being good right here. God's not being just right here. And then, you know, certainly there could be a said, you know, something to be said with, well, is this the work of Satan is, you know, and all that spiritual, you know, the spiritual warfare stuff. And obviously I'm not getting into all that now, but yeah, that's just a reality of, being frustrated with God and uh, yeah. tuning him out at, at certain points. And yeah, but that's pretty real. I mean, it makes me think of uh, when my kids get hurt, it's weird. And I'm sure that most men listening to this, I mean, this is a, a podcast for Christian men in particular. So I bet a lot of men listening in particular totally resonate with the anger part. Mm -hmm. Like if my kids fall down and get hurt, my first reaction is anger. Yeah. You know, not at anything in particular, but it just pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to see my kids hurt. No. And just to try to put myself in your shoes for those of us listening to try to put yourself in the shoes of a dad for you, Matt, to watch your child suffer, watch your wife suffer, <laughs> watch Sayla suffer to be, this other thing. And eventually I want to chat a little bit about Sayla too, mm. who doesn't usually get mentioned in the story. Sure. Probably. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh -huh. I want to talk about her for a minute at some point, but to, as a dad, you're like, like you're, you, you're like, I need to carry this. This is, I'm the man of the house. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm so frustrated and angry. You know, what is, you're kind of mentioning it here, but how is God helping you to deal with that anger part and that justice part? Because to me, that would be just, sure. I mean, that's painful to watch you as a friend go through this. Yeah. How are you, what is God teaching you, I guess, through this? I, right now? I would say the main thing God is teaching me is gratitude. Gratitude toward him because and God has been gracious to me and kind of revealing to me, you know, as we go little bits and, you know, maybe a verse here, verse there, or just, just thoughts that he gives me about, well, Matt, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be a dad without me. You wouldn't, you never would have been a husband. You never would have existed. Right. <laughs> and recently for me, it, it kind of struck me, wait, God has given me, an existence for one, a life. He's given me millions of good moments in my life. As I was telling you earlier, like most of my life up until Marley's issues has gone right, gone well. I've had great friends and, and family and, and I've been just a good upbringing. Sorry, Sayla's downstairs yelling for me. You've given me millions and millions of great moments you've allowed me to be a husband allowed me to be a father like you i never would have held marley never would have spent a millisecond with her let alone now over six years and over three years with sailor over 12 years with megan i wasn't guaranteed any of those i wasn't owed that i wasn't entitled to that so these are some thoughts that i 
God has given me. And is also like, I try to incorporate into my daily life of reminding myself of really how blessed I am and how, how good he's been to me and how I wasn't entitled to that. Cause I, cause I think in general, human sinful, we're all sinful fallen human beings. Like I think we have a sense of entitlement in life. You know, we, we, uh, that's just our nature, you know, and we all always, of course, we want things to go well in our life. We want to be comfortable. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just human nature. Like you, of course you want things to go well, but when you do go through tough times, like I think part of the, part of the, the key, the key to making it through and is to be grateful and look back at all the, you know, all the things God has done for you and will continue to do like, even today, like Marley's could be having a bad day today. Like, I mean, sun's still shining. Like I have fresh air to breathe. Like I, I have a lot of things that are still going well in my life, you know? Mm. So gratitude is, is the biggest thing I think that he's teaching me and just how, how dependent we are on him. Like, again, I, I just, I can't stress it enough. Like I wouldn't have an existence without him. So who am I really, really, who am I to complain to him or to, to be angry with, with the one who has allowed me to have everything that I have in my entire life and who has on top of all that has, has forgiven me of my sin and has secured a, a glorious future. I believe with, with my family, with him in heaven and is allowing me, it's only because of him that I have been able to know Marley now for six years and will know her and cherish her and spend time with her for all eternity. So, um, Absolutely. so the, yeah, in, yeah, in my best days, those are the thoughts, you know, <laughs> right. and then there'll be a day where, uh, but again, that's all about, sometimes that's all about me. So I'm like, oh man, you've been so good to me, me and, and, and gracious to me and things have gone well for me. And so I can get this gratitude and kind of even, you know, feel it viscerally and, and it improves my life. But then if, again, I go back to watching Marley suffer and cry for hours and hours, like I still sometimes struggle, but be good to her. Like you're not being good to her right now. Like, yeah. Yes. And so there's always, there's always this, this fight. Roller coaster. Yeah. Right. I mean, just a major, major roller coaster that you're on. But man, what you're saying is so incredibly powerful. You know, we had talked about in the beginning, I read that quote about pain and suffering comes with a purpose mm -hmm. and our job for the lessons. These are lessons that we would rather not learn, you know, yeah. that we would learn through hearing your story, but not have to go through it ourselves. And yet, the scriptures are pretty clear that you will suffer in this life yeah, and it will be different. Right. And yet I hope that one of the things that God speaks to us as we hear your story is, you know, we mentioned in the very beginning that we're going to talk about pain and suffering, but also hope and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think of a couple of things. Number one, just the gratitude that you can express in the midst of such pain as a dad and a husband is, is super powerful and how little most of our troubles are if we were to compare what you're struggling with what you guys deal with you know that that, that ought to encourage us as listeners to your story to say you know is is what you're dealing with as bad as what matt's going through i think you can get through this right there are people that are always suffering in ways more profound than yours you yeah know? but the same is true for us and that's there are i mean 
there's always somebody out there who has it worse than you. I mean, there's families all around the world that have kid kiddos with GM one and other, you know, terrible diagnoses who are living in, in, you know, third world countries who, you know, we thankfully have access to all, you know, all the health court, yeah. healthcare resources. And, you know, Marley's on the ketogenic diet. She has a dietitian, and, and all these people like there's, there's kiddos over there. I remember in like Megan has been connected to a family, I think in Poland or Ukraine who were in that area who were like fleeing and like, they don't have any other reason. And a, they have a kid with GM one who's going through the same stuff and they might not have a stable home, you know? And so there's always somebody out there who has it worse. And so I, you know, those are thoughts that I think of sometime as well to kind of like, wow, God has been really good to us in terms of all we have here, the resources we have here. No. I'd say another lesson, Nate, that I've learned is, and I'd be remiss to not talk about, is the power of community for sure. Because our small group community, our church community, like you all have been terrific to us, like frequently reaching out, asking how we're doing, praying for us, you know, bringing us food. Just on the days Marley's crying a lot, like people from our small group, they'll just, they'll come over and just sit, you know, just sit with us just sit with Marley to allow us to take a little break. You know, <clears throat> there's no way to get through something like this without, mm. without like, like-minded individuals who you have that, that genuine understanding and connection with mainly for us because of our mutual faith. But uh, yeah, like we were talking earlier, we're meant for community. And if you're going to try to isolate during during a season like this like it's not it's not going to go well for you probably so you're, you're in trouble and it really it's, it's the enemy's tactic is to whether it's sickness or health or just through distraction he'll, he'll find some way to try to get you away from community and away from christ yeah. because he knows there's strength in that and so yeah, i'm really glad that you mentioned that it's obviously in this getting the fight ministry is geared towards helping christian men find that community partly because we just don't know what we're going to be facing in life. Yeah. And before, like where I feel like for a lot of people we go wrong is we wait till we're in the storm and then go, I need some community. Like yeah. now I got to find it, you know, as God was preparing you for your journey that you're still in, <laughs> you know, you didn't know what you were to face and we don't know what we're to face, mm -hmm. but we can, honest with life and look at life honestly you know we're studying through ecclesiastes and in our fight club we do devotions each morning together and we're talking through like the bible's like look be wise to how life really is you have no idea how it's going to go it's not fair yep. and it's better con to consider death than it is to be at parties mm -hmm. why well because that's real life and, and in fact you had mentioned earlier that when you think of the future you are at the most peace that's what the wisdom of God gives us. And it comes through again, community and being in God's word. And so, you know, before the hammer drops, yeah, because this life will hit you at some point, you're going to suffer. Yeah. It's going to, you, you need to be surrounded by community. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a weird dichotomy actually. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm at my best when I'm thinking about the future in eternity, like in God's kingdom. But then I'm also at my best when I'm thinking about the present and, you know, Verses that I frequently reference in my head every day. Do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. 
every day I'm telling myself pretty much like we're all in the same boat, you know, no, nobody knows, no parent knows how much time left they have with their child. Like, you know, you could, you could go out for a country drive today and not make it home. You know, every day I tell myself like I could go to bed tonight and not wake up tomorrow. So just try to be present, try to be grateful for, for the day, you know, because I'm not promised tomorrow. So yeah, it just, it makes me go back again to Ecclesiastes. Everybody needs to spend some time there because the wisdom of Solomon at the end of his life, having had everything, mm-hmm. he says, like, enjoy exactly what you said. Be be aware of how this life goes and it's brief and you have no idea if it's going to go well or not. So he actually says, because that's true, enjoy today. Be fully focused on today. Yeah. Enjoy your meals. Enjoy your drink. Enjoy your wife of your youth. Like these are all rewards and gifts mm-hmm. because life is hard. Yeah. So like when you get a moment to enjoy the sunshine or a few minutes to have a conversation with a friend. Those are the gifts. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it's not the wealth. It's not the stuff you'll store up or leave behind. It's each moment with your kids and your wife. You had a great meal. Go enjoy it mm-hmm. because you don't know about tomorrow. So don't boast about that. And just the wisdom that God gives us to go through life is very profound and just ultimately always proves true. For sure. Yeah. I had a question for you that I think would be helpful for us as listeners and I have wondered this. I, I had a friend, some of you would know, Todd Todd Page, who has a special child's special needs child. Mm-hmm. And being close to that family for many years has helped me to maybe I think have a a decent understanding of what what the family goes through when they have a special needs child, mm-hmm. because we just don't know how to respond to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a as a dad dealing with just you know, Marley might yell out or scream or make sounds. It makes people around you like, I don't know how to like yeah. look at them. Do I like, how do I, number one, like how, how should we respond for those of us listening and what's helpful or not helpful for families with special needs kids? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's only natural. Like if you're in a public setting, obviously if, if a kid shrieks or makes a loud noise, like somebody's probably going to jump and look and and that's fine. I think if you're, you know, you're going to look and maybe stare a little bit. I guess one thing would be helpful in that instance, just, you know, give them a smile, you know, just give them a smile. Like if obviously you catch on, oh, it's a, it's a special needs kid and, and all that. I'd also say like when you see children with disabilities and their families around, I understand it's, it can be, you don't know what to say. You don't know, you know, how to interact. And so some people might just shy away and, and not say anything, but yeah, be, be confident, be fine to come up. And, and if you don't know the child or the family, hi, my, my, my name's, well, my name's Matt. What's your name? You know, how are you guys doing today? Like, and that's not everybody's personality, but sure. um, if you are in that position to, to just, just treat them like a, just treat them like a person, you know, and uh, ask them and, you know, Marley's nonverbal and a lot of these kids are nonverbal, but, um, I still, you know, I'll do it myself, like still come up and, and ask them questions. And usually obviously the parents will, will chime in and, and, oh, his name's so-and-so and and all that, you know? So that's what I'd say in terms of anything that's not helpful that people do that you go, God, that drives me nuts. uh, Well, this one could be sensitive, but like, I I can tell you from my own personal experience as a, as a man what I appreciate from other men 
is especially my close friends is is reaching out to try to make time to hang out because sometimes you know i need a megan needs a break obviously i need a break and just an, an outlet of doing something else rather than the heaviness and the seriousness of of our lives so making trying to make plans to do something fun or just hang out and talk it's just like normal you know or i appreciate when i get texts from guys like that are just like hey man praying for marley today you know or hey how's marley doing i like when people ask me about marley and like say that they're praying for marley that's just me personally one thing that we have struggled with i would say megan and i especially not to single her out women and men and women are just different they're just different okay it's yep. okay to say that i think um, at least on this podcast 100 yeah. <laughs> women there are some amazing women in our church and yeah i'll just say that amazing women in our church and they, they have great intentions i say most of these you know christian women for sure but they can a woman's life and and especially megan's is so their their thought life is so heavy it's so serious all the time and that's true of whether you have a special needs kid or not i'd say like because you have children you they're planning they're preparing they're thinking they're they have a billion thoughts on their mind Whereas i told megan recently like she was struggling with all these thoughts i was like megan you know what i thought about today i thought about hockey that was it. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> hockey that day. <laughs> One thing. So women will reach out and they get in these long text conversations that just go on in these threads. And then they worry about how they respond and how that's perceived. And did they respond timely and what that other woman's thinking and on and on and on. And it's just sometimes it's the long drawn out spiritual text message conversation where I know it's felt like for Megan that she's being like I was mentioning earlier, like basically like God is so gracious and so good and da 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 da. Whereas that in Megan's experience that day, that was not the case at all. Like, and this person has no idea that she just spent six hours with a crying kid today. Also right. on the phone with neurology multiple times and palliative care and on and on and on scheduling appointments and all this like by the end of the day you know it doesn't it didn't feel like god was good today and so it feels like being preached at yeah. it's felt like at times like job's friends you know sometimes where people people want to impart their knowledge and their wisdom about god when they have no reference point for maybe they've never actually experienced anything close to what what we're experiencing and if if you were watching your child suffer in the manner that we are you might not be as strong as you think you are yeah and you might be singing a different tune um i said it before like we've even had family who are who are older christians who are they're lovely people but they can come off very judgmental and critical and have even like been critical of us that we are not using this Marley's story and her platform enough for God's glory and to point people to him. 
you're like, bro, I'm just trying to breathe. Yeah. Today. One, I'm trying to survive. <laughs> and also like, actually I felt like, and you've been to Marley's, you were participated in Marley's walk this past fall, her event, Marley's miracle mile. Did that not feel, that was like a whole a sermon. That was a whole service Incredible. dedicated toward, to God, really not, not the Marley. And, and these are the same people who the people that accused us or kind of were critical of us. Like they've never even been to one of Marley's walks. Like they're not, they're not seeing all the things that we do on a daily basis or the conversations we've had. I've witnessed to doctors at U of M, you know, very highly educated, you know, geneticists and neurologists who have been able to share the hope that, that we have through Christ, you know, for Marley's future and eternity. Like, and so like, who, who are you to, to criticize how we're handling this situation? Yeah. Um, when you've not experienced anything remotely close, you know, until you're, until you watch your child basically die in front of you over these past few years, like, don't come to me with that because you have no idea what you're talking about. I do. I do think it's part of what those of us on the outside who really do care for our friends who are hurting and dealing with this because we, it's kind of like where I think a lot of us are so aware actually that we don't know how to relate that causes us to say nothing at all. You know what yep. I'm saying? Because, because we know it could be hurtful to say something, even if it's true, like God has this or he's mm. with you. Like it's not always helpful. And so like when we know these stories, we're thinking, well, yeah, I don't want to add to it. So I just say nothing. And then I think it can cause those of you who are struggling, like, please just treat me like a normal human. Yeah. You know, it's such an odd, odd thing at times because you don't want to say the wrong thing, but you also. Yeah. I would say, I would say take a leap of faith and say something because uh, especially if you have a long history with that person and that family and you, you've known them and spend a great deal of time with them. Cause I've, that's another one of my experience of, of, uh, yeah, I have some friends from the past who spent a great deal of time with and, and it's felt like, uh, like a, like a severed relationship where like, like literally after all these years, like this, you know, and you know what, what Marley's going through and what we're going through and they literally never said anything to us yeah. or to me. And that's been kind of hurtful, but that's just, yeah. I'm just being honest. No, it's, it's super helpful to hear from you on that because I do think in a really practical way, people care, but, and they want to be helpful. Sometimes it comes off as not helpful. And that's just a journey that you and Megan have to deal with and families have to deal with to go like, okay, I, I bet they didn't mean it. Yeah. They're ignorant and you have to deal with that. But it's also just one more thing that you have to deal with, you know, and that's, that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would just say, take a leap of faith. And if, you know, just say something, you know, be a, yeah. be a friend to somebody who's hurting and just reach out, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you do say something wrong or, you know, what's yeah. the worst that happens? I mean, the per take a chance not going well versus saying nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the person, if you do say something wrong, like, we probably understand like you have no frame of reference for this. So that's, you know, probably why you didn't weren't able to articulate it the exact way that you wanted to, you know? So yeah, yeah. that's helpful. Tell me, tell me really quickly of what, what do you pray for? Like is where, where you stand today with Marley 
what are the things you pray about in terms of Marley? What would you ask people to pray for yeah. when it comes to the story? Well, admittedly, I've never been a I've never been a strong prayer. So in my own personal prayers, I mean, I try every day to like, I'm praying for, for God's, you know, peace to be upon Megan and, and God's spirit to, to be upon my family members. And I'm praying if Marley's off to school, just help her to have fun today, help her have a good day with her friends. You know, those daily prayers of like, just mainly God's presence with them and peace upon them for Marley, for sure. I'm, I mean, we're still praying for, a, for a cure. I mean, there's, there's clinical trials going on and companies that are, that are actively working on, on treatments and a cure for GM one. And there's a lot of promising stuff going on, but it just takes so much time with, you know, FDA approval process and all that. So that's still something we pray for and would, would love for other people to pray is like all these, these biotech companies and the people that, that work in these positions, like these are all people created by God who have skills and abilities and, and wonderful talents to be able to help the whole world and also God's people, you know, who are struggling with certain maladies and, and diseases. So pray for a cure. And that's why we, we still do Marley's Miracle Mile event, which will be in September, and other things we do to try to raise awareness about GM1 and to raise money for the, the Cure GM1 Foundation to try to help expedite treatments, you know, and cures, so... Yeah, we always appreciate prayers for yeah. for that. I'm trying to think. I mean, really for Marley, like all of us, like life can be the simple things in life are the best thing. Like Marley loves going to school and seeing her her friends and her teachers. She she rides she has like a hippotherapy so it's therapeutic horseback riding and so that's another simple joy she loves just being outside we you know walking through our neighborhood on her her little gate trainer and going for stroller rides and so for the simple things a lot of the times like if marley's having a stretch of really bad days like we can't do any of those things like she can't even go to school like like really she can't go to school she can't She's screaming for hours. We can't go outside. And like, <laughs> so when we do have good days, it's just such gratitude for just those simple joys in life. So prayer. Not to be about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, us, right? As I listen to it, I'm thinking, man, that's just, that's just true for all of us. Yeah. So always prayers for, for Marley, just to be able to enjoy the simple things in in her life, you know? Yeah. And then also, I mean, it's, it's clear to me through this process that that platform we have just because of Marley's story, I do believe that God is and will continue to draw people into the kingdom just based on Marley's story, the, the joy she lives with, the who she is as a person, as well as our, our testimony and witness through it. And so praying that, yeah, that 
more and more people will be drawn to to the kingdom because of because of Marley. Yeah. It's there's a quote I wrote down here that kind of makes me think of this that C.S. Lewis said, who we all love and quote. We we probably rarely read that. Actually, his book. Wrote, just <laughs> yeah. But he said this: pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts to us in our pains. It is me- it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And that really just kind of goes with what you're saying there. You know, it's, it's that's such a beautiful thing to ask for in prayer that you're mentioning there that God would use that megaphone of pain to bring thoughts of what's to come. I I love what you said earlier today too. And I'm so with you, man, like death does not have the final call here. Yeah. This, this disease, this GM one does not have the final say in what's to come forever and ever and ever. I just Mm -hmm. believe that Uh, for her, for me, for you, like death has a sting, but not for believers. It's just a sting, I guess I should say Mm -hmm. it does is painful. What you're dealing with is, but painful is not even the right word, right? Like there's no word to describe it, but it's not to stay forever. Yeah. And, and God uses pain to rouse a deaf world <laughs> who's trying to, you know, go through all this stuff to find pleasure in every other way. And yet what you're describing so great for us today is again, just, I'm just amazed at like, as I'm reading through and studying Ecclesiastes and talking in our fight club about it too, this is exactly what the wisdom of God's word has always been telling us. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the moment. The little things are the gift. That is life. The best of life. Mm-hmm. Sunshine on your face right now. It's you're going to get to go hug your kids here in just a second when I let you go. Mm-hmm. Right. Like don't miss what, re- what life really is about. Yeah. That community, those people, that wife and use pain, not to bring you down, but to realize like, we have a lot to be grateful for of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it inevitably, it, I mean, on certain days, again, it will bring you down, but if you can find your way back to that gratitude aspect and yeah, just recognizing again, as you just said, the sunshine on my face today and, and hugging my kids, I was not guaranteed that today. And that's a great gift from God that I have, you know, today. So yeah, Bible says this, Light momentary affliction is preparing for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's another verse that's been, you know, it doesn't feel light and momentary some days, but I I think about it, man. I was just describing earlier in this podcast, I was taking you through my childhood and all up and like, I mean, graduating from college in, in 2008, that was what, 15 years ago. And I, I mean, that, that flew by and I'm 37 now and I'm going to be in just a, in a minute, I'll be 47, you know, I'll almost be 50. And it, it, we all know as we get older, it flies by. So keep, keep the focus on the here and now the daily present of, of those gifts that God's given you, how he's been gracious to you. And then also on the, the, the promises of eternity. And you know, that, I think that's the key to get you through. And then, staying in your community and not isolating. Those are, those are the keys to making it through, uh, through times of suffering. And uh, yeah, I'm not saying we're through it now. There's just day by day. And uh, you know, none of us really know what tomorrow will bring. So, yeah. You know, one of the things that we've 
pray about each day. There's four four principles that we talk about in our ministry that, that God would make us men of honor, men of discipline, men of strength, and men of joy. And what we talk about with joy and pray for every day is that God would help us to have joy, which is different than happiness. It's connected, but different. Joy and all these things that we're talking about, what's to come and who God is and what he's done, but joy that's not dependent on our circumstances or feelings is part of how we pray that prayer mm. every day. And it's amazing how difficult of the four principles that we pray about, honor, discipline, and strength, how you can kind of push through some of those and just kind of like muscle up a little bit to just do the hard right thing, mm -hmm. or, you know, to find strength in the relationship or whatever it is. But the thing that you can't manufacture that you need God to really do in your heart is to give you joy yeah. despite how you feel. And so that's one of those things that we fight for in our ministry every day. And it takes just great courage, which is why we pray through our, our main core scripture is first Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. And when it says there to be alert, like what is happening? What does the devil want to do to you today? Mm. Now? You got to be alert every single day. You got to wake up because you never know, like in your story or mine, every day something could happen and you've got to be alert. Like what's the tactic yeah. to bring me? What is the scheme that he's doing to hurt me? To get in in the way is Megan all of a sudden upset and you like spin it out of control or do you go oh I'm alert I know what's happening I'm not gonna let that happen. Mm -hmm. Anyways, he says be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, which is usually translated to be men of courage. Mm. And I think it's like how much courage it takes for you on a day to day basis, right? To be strong, do everything in love. Powerful stuff we pray through, but it it takes the work of God uh -oh. in our lives to live out that core. And it takes a real man to be able to wake up every day and do that. And so we are going to be praying for you guys, you know, in this way, in our fight club, you know, but that you also would be a man of, you know, honor, discipline, strength, and then joy. And then that's just a powerful verse to pray through as well. First Corinthians 16, awesome, 13 man. and 14. Yeah, I um, appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I won't take up a lot more of your time, but I do want to talk about Selah for just a minute. Sure. How does Selah, like... My guess from the outside is like, oh man, like we forget about Selah, mm. you know, and this precious little kid who grows up with a sister who's older, you know, she's, she's only three, mm -hmm. but tell, talk about Selah for a minute and how you're parenting her or how it's affected your parenting with her or yeah, just what, what comes to your mind with, with her? I'm curious of how this works. Yeah, with Selah. I really appreciate that question. Yeah. Selah's an, she's an amazing kid. She really is. She's had to grow up really fast. She's she's super intelligent. I mean, I most parents will probably say that about their kid, but like she just is. Like she seems advanced for her years. I mean, even when she was two, I think she would like she knew when Marley was having a seizure and she you know, she would go and get a chewy for Marley, you know, cause she has these things she likes to chew on and like, she's very helpful and she is alert. Like she knows what's going on all the time with Marley's health, with the, the, the spiritual and emotional temperature of our home for better or worse. Like, cause there are days in this house where it is very stressful. Sure. And so we, we do worry about Selah's, you know, her emotional, life because I think she might have the tendency to she wants to project being she wants to be good all the time right because we have a lot going on and she doesn't want to 
she wants to be helpful and good. And so I think she might have this air of like being a perfectionist, maybe, you know, like because she, we need her to help a lot. And, and so then I think she might bottle things up, you know, and then, and then it might, and then it just boils. I mean, she is three after all, then it just boils over, you know, eventually and she'll have a, a meltdown but the things Sayla is hilarious. Like she is just what we needed in our family in terms of like humor and to, to lighten the mood. Cause she says some hilarious things. I have a, I wish I wasn't on my phone recording now. Cause I have like a running list in my notes of just hilarious things. Sayla has said, yeah. um, gosh, I wish I had one to pull right now. What was it? The, oh, the other a couple months ago on one of our vacations out of the blue, she goes, dad, what do you think baby Jesus is doing today? Rolling over. Oh man. Rolling over. Yeah. yeah probably it. Probably <laughs> she go, Oh, a couple, a couple weeks ago, we were kind of talking to her about strangers, like stranger danger. And, you know, oh. if, you know, the hypothetical, if the strange man tries to give you candy to get in his car, don't go so then we're eating dinner on the front porch and this just a guy in a truck drives by and she goes, she looks at him, looks at me and she goes, he didn't try to give me candy. Woo. That was a close one. Yeah. So she's hilarious and really um, helps with that. And then very helpful around the house. But then a three, I mean, she's three and like, you know, terrible twos. And then, three happen and she's you know we call her a three-nager because just you know (laughs) and it's been a struggle because marley you know marley was delayed and had these issues so really you know sayla going through these ages and stages is really our first time of dealing with some of these behaviors and the the manipulation tactics they'll try and all this stuff so it's been it's been challenging to deal with some of that. And I think as I'm learning, Megan's learning a lot of the key with that is taking a, taking a deep breath, trying to slow down, you know, get on her level, That's right. eye contact and do all that. But when you're on the day to day and you're on the go and, you know, I think in our own natural little habitats, we are all comfortable and we can just kind of just spout off at the mouth and we're very reactionary and, so that's something we're learning, just trying to be slower to speak and, and yeah. all that stuff. But I have, yeah, we're super thankful for Sayla and I am excited to see, you know, what, how God's going to use her moving through her life. Cause I, you know, I'll, I won't be surprised at all if she ends up being a nurse, being a, being a doctor, being somebody who's in the field of, of, you know, serving others and helping you know, being a teacher or something like that. Uh, yeah, she's a great kid. Yeah, what a blessing Sayla is. I'm glad we can chat about her for a minute yeah. and just let people know about Sayla too because yeah. what a gift she is to your family. I mean, that, I didn't realize she's that funny and I'm, I'd love to see the list of the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. What a gift. I mean, God knows. He just knows yeah. what you need. And uh, yeah, we'll be praying for Sayla too. And just for you guys, I mean, three-year-old is just fun anyways and challenging, yeah. but you know, on top of the rest of it to make sure that she and her heart 
that God just blesses her too in her little life and uses it. And I know, I know that he will. Yeah. I appreciate that. So we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here, but I know that a lot of guys listening, Matt, are going to want to know, like, you know, we already talked a little bit about praying, what you're praying for and how we can pray. What can they do? You know, if, if they're like, what else can I, like, how can I help this family? What would you suggest? Is there anything else that you would suggest that guys, if they say like, I want to help, or maybe you help families with the, that are dealing with the GM one, mm. what can they do? Yeah. Well, I would say one, again, we've been blessed with a lot of support. So, I mean, honestly, sometimes we're overwhelmed with the support in terms of like, I don't feel like we deserve all this attention in this, in this help. And, and sometimes I feel like like there's other families, even in our little community who have children with disabilities. And like, we feel like we're, they're being overlooked because so many people are looking to help us. So we have a lot of support. I mean, find if there's other folks in your, in, you know, and whoever's listening in your, in your community of people who have children with disabilities and are going through great suffering you know, reach, reach out to them, send a quick text. Hey, you know, if it's somebody close, like, Hey man, love you praying for you today. You know, simple stuff like that. You know, I know people a lot of time will ask like, how can I help? And then I think we've all had that where somebody we're going through a period of tough times and people ask, how can I help? And we don't know, like, I don't know how you can help, you know? So sometimes the best thing is to just say, I love you. You know, I'm praying for you. Yeah. Like, how are you doing today? And sometimes the text, you know, sometimes texts are like brutal. Like, whereas like, just pick up the phone and call them, you know, uh, or look for an opportunity to meet face to face specifically for GM one, anybody listening, you can go to curegm1.org to learn more about the disease and to if it's on your heart to donate toward toward a, a cure, and there's a whole umbrella of these diseases, they're called uh, lysosomal storage dis- disorders. There's all these different. There's so many, you know, pediatric, you know, genetic disorders and diseases. So, but just you know, really, it's about your context and the people in your life everybody's got suffering. Somebody's marriage might be falling apart. Somebody's might be struggling financially. You know, the list goes on and on. And I think the key when approaching anybody who's suffering, whether it's with a child or or just in a different area of their life is like, be genuine with them, be real. Don't try to preach at them. They may be in a position where they just, if if you're going to try to, preach the gospel to them or preach about how God, you know, how good God is, they might not be feeling it that day and it's going to turn them off actually. So be like the Bible says we are the hands and feet of Christ. So a lot of times it can just be your actions, just your presence with them. Like that demonstrates God's love and care for them by you just being with them and, and, you know, being genuine with them and realize that people that are going through suffering, they're going to have days where they're, we're just angry and we're going to vent and be upset and, and maybe be upset with God. It's okay to just listen and allow them to be that way because 
like God doesn't need you to defend him. Like he can handle it. He can handle, you know, (laughs) when I'm frustrated with him, you know, certainly Job and King David and all these people through the Bible, like he's dealt with enough people who have gone through suffering. He knows how to deal with them. So you don't have to defend God, sit with the person, listen to them. If it's something you can validate about their situation or relate to them, you know, at, at a appropriate opportunity, you know, <laughs> you can share or validate or whatever. But yeah, those are just some of the things I'd say. That's so great, man. I I go back to that opening quote and just talking about suffering has purpose and there's lessons that we need to look through in it. And I feel like you gave us just so many things. There's so many things rattling in my head here that I just so appreciate. But I want to thank you for just again, talking about something like this is just, I don't know if it's hard or easy for you, but I know it's hard to hear it. It's hard in that way of just like, I don't like watching people suffer and hurt. And yet you do an amazing job. You, Megan, both have done an amazing job, despite what some people in your family or close circle might say of demonstrating Christ in a very honest way. You know, I appreciate that about you guys, that it's very honest, like, hey, some days I'm just very angry and some days I do fine. And yet it's, it's clear to me and it's clear, I'm sure to everybody listening that you put your trust in the Lord, you know, and that you believe that this isn't the only story that will be told in your story or Marley's and that your hope is there. And that's where we want to point people to in this podcast and in this ministry is to make much of Jesus and he can do that. We can do that through pain and suffering and you guys are doing an amazing job. And I just want you to know, that people do care and we're praying for you guys. And um, I'll be sure to mention in the show notes in different places that curegm1.org, great place to go. And even just the practical lesson that you talk about of practicing gratitude in the midst of what you're dealing with, but also just very practically to send a text. I mean, those are things that men can do. I think a lot of us men listening are probably just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And so we do nothing. Well, go sit on the porch with them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not care for them, bring them some meal or whatever it is. Like just the practical thing. You don't got to say a lot of words. Yep. When somebody, you know, when somebody loves you. Yeah. And that's not that hard. And so just being brave enough to go do that stuff, you know, is what being men is about. So thank you for sharing your story. Appreciate you so much. And uh, maybe we'll chat again sometime soon and just continue to see how you're doing on your journey. Yeah. Appreciate the time, Nate. Really grateful for this opportunity and uh, pumped for what you, you know, your ministry and everything you're doing and uh, thankful for that. So uh, God bless you on your, on your journey as well. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.